Welcome to Ottawa Valley Vineyard, where we simply want to help you encounter Jesus, be transformed, and share His love. Hi, my name is Kathleen Patchell, and my husband John and I have lived on a farm near Carlton Place for more than 40 years. The question I am asking today is, what will the church look like after COVID restrictions end? In June, we had a major infestation of gypsy moth caterpillars who were ravaging our fruit trees and our oak trees. I looked up online several natural ways to deter these caterpillars and we started trying them all. Our youngest grandchildren, Silas and Addie, were visiting and I enrolled them in the battle against the caterpillars, arming them with squirt bottles filled with either Dawn soap and water or garlic powder and water. As we prepared to battle the invaders, four-year-old Addie said, come on, Captain Grandma, and rally the troops. So we emptied our squirt bottles on all the trees, and much to our delight, the trees have all survived and are thriving. So that is the image I bring to you today, Captain Grandma rallying the troops. We've all been through a roller coaster year and a half. The new normal became long periods of isolation, cancellation of everything from weddings to funerals, from baby showers to graduations. Daily news updates on cases of COVID, deaths from COVID, variants of COVID, kept the fear and anxiety level high. Jobs and businesses disappeared. Children's schooling was reduced to sitting at computers for long periods of time and families had to adjust to everyone working and studying, and studying at home together. In the meantime, what's been happening to the church locally? At OVV, with the closing of the schools, services were switched almost immediately to online streaming. Aaron and friends had to speak to a video camera lens with no direct feedback or sense of how their message was impacting their audience. In-person groups also turned to meeting by Zoom. Those who persisted, like the Monday morning group we belong to, discovered that it was surprisingly convenient to meet every week on a screen rather than driving long distances. Alpha and short-term Bible studies were attended by a much wider range of people than in the past, with people coming from all over Ontario and as far away as Saskatchewan. But on the downside, children's ministry, which has always been so important at OVV, struggled to connect with children who were already fed up with spending so much time on screens. So what are we left with now that restrictions are easing? Is OVV without a building or a place to meet still a church? This question asked me to, caused me to ask an even more fundamental question. What is a church? What does it look like? Why is it important? When I looked up the definition of church, the Bible dictionary said that although many people today understand the church as a building, biblically, church is a translation of the Greek word ecclesia, which is defined as an assembly or called out ones. The root meaning of church is not that of a building, but of people. We can look at the church in two ways, the universal church or the local church. The universal church consists of everyone, everywhere, who has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 
For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free. And we were all given one spirit to drink. All those who have received salvation through faith in Jesus Christ comprise the universal church. An example of the local church is described in Galatians, where Paul writes to the churches in Galatia. Here in the pro there in the province of Galatia, there were many churches. They each had a localized ministry and were scattered throughout the province. Here in Carlton Place, a Baptist church or a Pentecostal church or a Vineyard church, etc. is not the church as the universal church, rather it's the local church, a local body of believers. I, I believe that we are all members of the universal church, but each of us should seek fellowship and instruction in a local church. Over my more than three score and ten years, I've been part of many churches, from St. Albans, growing up in Winnipeg, to St. Aldate's in Oxford, England, when John and I were first married, to Trinity St. Foy in Quebec City, and then Christ Church Bells Corners in Ottawa. Around 1978, by which time we had four children, we had to make a conscious decision to find a better church to nurture them, and we joined what became West Ottawa Christian Community, a non-denominational church where we, where we were able to check off all the boxes, wonderful worship, great Sunday school, rich Bible-based sermons, and a caring community. After the revival in the 90s that spread around the world from Toronto Airport, West Ottawa started praying about planting a church in Carlton Place and even held revival meetings at the Carlton Place Library. But nothing visible happened at that time. In 1994, I came down with what was eventually diagnosed as chronic fatigue syndrome. So in 1996, we set off on a six-month trip around North America in a 27-foot motorhome with our two youngest sons, a trip that we had planned to make when John retired but John didn't think I would live that long. Every Sunday we visited a different church, often alternating between Anglican and Vineyard churches. As a side note, the boys preferred Vineyard churches because they didn't have to wear shirts and ties. We discovered that each church we visited, no matter what denomination, could have been home if we lived in the area. It was eye-opening to see the various expressions of the body of Christ in all parts of the States and Canada. Then in 2005, Aaron and Anna came back to Carlton Place from St. Stephen's, New Brunswick to start Ottawa Valley Vineyard. After more than 25 years at West Ottawa, we found it hard to say goodbye to dear friends, but we knew that the Lord wanted us to help with the new church in Carlton Place that we had been praying for for so many years. And here we are in 2021, wondering what OVV will look like after COVID restrictions lift. Are we still relevant? Are we fulfilling our mandate to love God and love our neighbor? Even before COVID, I noticed how many people viewed the churches like small businesses, where the pastor is the CEO and the people are the customers. These people thought the church existed to give them and their children a menu of programs, activities, and events. Those of that mindset who decided to serve felt like employees of the business, waiting for the boss, the pastor, to give an assignment, a ministry, with a job title, secretly hoping it wasn't director of bathroom sanitation. But I would suggest that a church is not a business, rather it is Christ's body in action. 
But what defines a church that is truly Christ's body? Is it a big turnout on Sunday morning? A multi-million multi dollar budget? A state-of-the-art building? We all know that numbers are not the measure God uses for success. He looks at the heart of the church, just like he called David a man after his own heart. When the Apostle Paul planted the church in Thessalonica, or Thessalonica, the capital city of Macedonia, he expressed his desire for the church members when he wrote, May the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness. Paul shows us three characteristics that are vital for a successful body of believers. Love for God leading to holiness, love for one another in the body, and love for others, our neighbors. Is this your vision? Because as a sign I once saw read, a small church with a big vision has greater impact than a big church with a small vision. I think we all need to be praying for a big vision for OVV in the post-COVID era. One thing I do believe, though, is that the coronavirus hasn't changed anything important about the church. In June, OVV gathered here at the farm for the first time together since Easter. We wore masks, we social distanced outside, and we worshipped and prayed and learned together as a body. Afterwards, nobody wanted to leave. Conversations carried on for a long time. Although church felt different, in all the important ways, little had changed. We were still the people of God, gathered in the presence of God to bring glory to God. Throughout history, God's people have gathered to worship Him in all kinds of situations, and many of them less than ideal. The early church worshipped together in spite of Roman persecution, the same persecution that continues today in many countries around the world, such as China and Iran and North Korea. The church in a pandemic joins their faithful company. We may be six feet apart, but we are still the church. The second thing to remember is that God loves the church. Going to church is rarely convenient, and these months of worshipping by way of live stream have elevated comfort and consumerism. There's an entertainment factor. We can hear a sermon and even interact with other church members without getting off the couch or putting on street clothes. No work or engagement required. Maybe then it's hard to imagine mustering the energy to actually go to church again. But our fundamental motivation for committing to the church hasn't changed because of the coronavirus. As we are able, we go to church, serve the church, and love the church because God does. Christ promises to be present with his people when they gather in his name. Jesus serves the church by making her holy, and he has loved the church and loves the church by dying for her. And what God loves, we must love. We also to remember like Unlike the Lone Ranger, you remember, high-o silver away, lone Christians aren't a thing. The quarantine can create a false sense of self-sufficiency. Equipped with a Wi-Fi connection, I can instantly stream content and social media community to my nearest device. It can be tempting to think that my spiritual growth can be downloaded remotely too. But the Christian life was never meant to be lived alone. On our own we are, as the old hymn says, prone to wander. Our hearts are, quote, deceitful above all things and desperately sick, according to Jeremiah 17. Alone we quickly go cold, fail to watch out, 
and stumble into sin. We need help. But thankfully, Christ organized the church for the good of our souls. As it says in Ephesians 4.11, Christ chose some among us to be apostles, prophets, missionaries, pastors, and teachers, so his people would be transformed and learn to serve so that his body would grow strong. And believe it or not, corporate worship is the essential business of your life. Recently, there's been a lot of talk about what's essential, with civil authorities categorizing our ordinary activities and businesses under various phases and classifications. For example, food stores were considered essential, hair salons weren't. But whatever official designation church services receive, Christians must not allow our hearts to believe that worship with the church is unimportant. In corporate worship, the people of God assemble in his presence to speak to him by prayer and song and to hear him speak to us by word and sacrament. In corporate worship, we offer to our sovereign God the praise he is due. It is the most essential business of our lives. And are you aware how much the church needs you and you need it? Back to the metaphor of the church as a body. Quote, for just as the body is one and has many members, so it is with Christ, writes Paul in 1 Corinthians 12. In the church, we each have unique gifts, and we use them together for one another's good. No part is unimportant, and no part can function well without the other parts. When I stub my toe, my whole body reacts to the pain. After I had life-altering heart surgery last year, my whole body now functions so much better. Just like a body needs all its parts in good health to function well, we need each other and all of our different gifts in order for the church to be the bride of Christ, because it is through the church that we are made holy. And I hope you haven't forgotten that the church is your family. Defining a household has become a preoccupation of our pandemic age. Our civil authorities recognized that these foundational units of people who live and care for one another continued, needed to continue to do so. They're free to carry on as they were, just told to wash their hands frequently. But the Bible tells us that we're part of a different kind of household, one whose boundaries aren't based on a census or tax filing. As a Christian, you are part of the household of God, which is the church. You have been brought into the family of into the family by God's sovereign choosing, choosing and given a new family identity through the blood of Christ, our mutual brother. That doesn't mean you don't have to wear a mask to church, but it does mean that our fundamental family priorities of sharing our lives and caring for one another are not derailed by a global, global crisis. Even if we have to fellowship over Zoom and pray together over FaceTime, the church is still a family. I believe that the church has work to do and we must not shirk our responsibilities. The pandemic has brought changes to many people's work and even as businesses begin to reopen, many Christians will find their daily work significantly altered. The church has work to do as well, but it hasn't changed because of a virus. Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Declaring Christ the savior of sinners to the lost and dying world is a task for the church and we are all co-workers in this job. Christ's important mandate is a job for us to do together. So finally, 
I believe the Church has a glorious future. These days we may be discouraged by the apparent insignificance and smallness of our local churches and the lack of inf influence Christians have in our present culture. We might be tempted to wonder whether the Church is going to fade away along with the virus. But when the Lord allows us to glimpse the realities of eternity, we see that the best days of the Church are yet to come. Listen to the words of the Apostle John in Revelation 21. I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them, and be with them as their God. The Church has a future, and it is glorious. So I repeat to you as a benediction Paul's prayer to the Thessalonians. May the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness. Amen. Thanks for joining us. To connect to the ministries of Ottawa Valley Vineyard, visit ovv.ca.